All right, here we go. Hey, everybody. Nurse Mark here. Mark Worcester, a.k.a. The Shit Show. Oh, my gosh. The stories I could tell you about the loves that I've had and totally messed up. It's a great story. Now, here's why I decided I was going to start to share this stuff. We are programmed from very early age to react and act in certain ways when we're in relationship, especially. And even if we're somewhat aware of that, because I've been in therapy for a long time, off and on, and you know what, that'll, that'll come out over our conversation. And, um, <laughs> oh, so many great stories. We get wired to act and react in certain ways with stuff that happened way back when we were young, before the age of five, seven years old, these things happen to us and, well, we'll get into that. So welcome to I Am The Shit Show. Now, let me talk about what this is and what this isn't. This is me sharing my, uh, my experience, my insight and awareness into how I got wired to react even to this day in relationship and not in ways that I would like to because inevitably it causes issues in the relationship. So my insight into how I got programmed for it, a little experience on how some of that programming has been alleviated or changed so that it's not an issue anymore. Uh, so listen, this is going to be a great conversation and the intent is that since I know I'm wired in a certain way because of, of how we are as human beings, maybe you'll gain some insight into some of the ways that you're wired and understand how maybe some of the ways you act and react in relationships isn't the way that you want it to be. And we're going to talk about how you can change that too. So this is a conversation. Join me in the conversation. I can see, um, you know, comments and stuff. If you're on uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, checking this out, definitely pop up some comments. So again, this is about me sharing my experience and my insight. This is not me bashing any of my exes. Their behavior is a result of their programming. And I have nothing to do with that. Like it's a reaction that they have to my reaction to what they have. It's this beautiful divine dance and it's magnificent. I'm going to start off by saying I love everyone that I've ever been in a relationship with, even the hard relationships, the ones that didn't end well. I really, really love every one of them. Every one of the relationships was a learning experience for me, was another peeling away of the onion to figure out what the heck was going on with me at that moment and oh my god some of the stuff that i did was was oh and you'll hear all about it over the course of our future conversation together here on this particular live stream so let's start with a backstory i mean you got to have the backstory to kind of understand you know where i come from right what what the uh, pieces and parts of the family structure are cuz all of that kind of informs how you become wired. So I'm the oldest of four kids 
And I have three great siblings. They're amazing human beings, all wired in their own way to react and be in the world. Um, two loving parents. And, uh, you know, my mom has passed away. And we'll talk about this. Um, we'll talk about this <laughs> in the future. I have mommy issues. You know, the joke is, oh, thank God for girls with daddy issues. Well, I got mommy issues, okay? And you know what? I think we all have issues with our parents, right? We give them a hard time. Hey, what's up, Pammy? Uh, we give our parents a hard time. At the end of the day, they're just human beings that got wired in their early years. And, you know, that played out in their lives. Hey, listen, once you figure out, and, and this is my hope, is that you get to the place where I'm at, where you figure out that we're all subject to the same ways of being programmed by the events, by our genetics, by a lot of different factors to react very automatically in relationship in ways that, you know, we think we're in control of our behavior when in fact, as we'll discover, we're really not that much in control as we think we are. So oldest of four, uh, one thing of note, my mother did have a baby before me that, that didn't live more than a few weeks. He was seven months old. Uh, so, you know, my programming began in the womb because imagine my mom carrying the second baby after she'd lost this first. And I can remember my mom telling me that she felt it, as a very little girl, she knew that her job in life was to be a mother. So this was super important to her. So imagine me in the womb, every time my mother bumps a table or trips or stumbles, all that cortisol, all that anxiety flowing through me. The programming begins very early. We'll do a whole episode on, on the womb and the birth and, and how that affects how we act and react. Uh, it's it's really, it's fascinating stuff. We're going to go way back to that. But to get back to sort of the backstory, oldest of four kids, great parents. Um, but I've always been, you know, whether it's genetics or whatever, I've always had this piece of me that was a little on the depressive side, a little bit on the sensitive side, like super, super sensitive, always. And, and that has um, that has played itself out in a lot of different ways, especially in relationship. And when I say relationships, not just romantic, it's relationships with friends, it was relationships in business. Like, you know, these things crop up. And so I've was I'm wired to be a very sensitive person. It's great in some ways, and in other ways, man, it's it's hard. It's hard a lot. Um yeah, Pam, you're right. My sibling loss was in my in my natal chart. Yeah. Yeah, wild stuff. So I've always had sort of this wild ride, right? <laughs> and when I made up the title of the of the show, I was not lying. I am the shit show. And to be to be fair, I start out relationships or I have in in the last 10 years or more, maybe even more than that. I always start out in a new relationship by the disclaimer saying, hey, listen, I'm not an easy ride. Like, it's not for everybody. Like, you're punching a ticket for a roller coaster. There's going to be a lot of fun. There's also going to be times that are challenging because I just know that in relationship, I'm so sensitive that I'm going to have reactions to things that are not going to be really based on 
on the reality of what you think it is. Hey, Matt, what's up, man? In good ways and bad. Oh, yeah. Woo. So, you know, I've always had this disclaimer that I am a shit show and that it's going to be a fun ride. And I think that I could get people I've been in relationship with to, to say both those things. Yeah, we had a lot of fun and yeah, it was a little challenging at times. So there you go. Now, along the way, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to share these things because it's important to understand how I unraveled a lot of what was going on. Um, in my mid twenties, I was really angry with my dad and I decided I needed to do something about it. And so I went and um, found a therapist and I'd never been to therapy, didn't really believe in it. And I ended up in therapy and man, that was the start of really the deep dive that took me in so many different directions. And if there's one thing that I love about me is that I don't do anything half-assed. Like if I'm interested in a subject, I go all in. So wherever this therapist went, I went all in. He suggested I go to a yoga retreat. I've never been to one. My business was about to fail. The bank wanted $300,000 back. I went on a week-long yoga retreat and fell in love with yoga and meditation. It was huge, huge, huge in the management of my depression because that's what ended up being the diagnoses after a lot of time, like multiple diagnoses. Depression was at the end, which I will tell you right now, I don't suffer from depression anymore. And that's because of all the work that I've done over all these years and Thank God, psychedelic medicine. And that will be a whole other episode about that. So here we are. Two sides of the same coin. Emirate, yeah, definitely two sides of the same coin. It's that it's that duality of life, right? So I got it in large measure. So, I mean, the way that I look at it is we're all on a spectrum on a lot of different levels. And, you know, when you talk about psychiatry and psychology, they talk about spectrums. And so my spectrum of, you know, the normal spectrum of feeling is going to be, you know, like this and this, right? Here's happiness and here's sadness. I'm, I'm way the hell out here. And what a beautiful blessing it is, right? Because I get to feel all these things, except for when I'm on the low end, I'm really, really low. And when I'm on the high end, whew, life is good. So here we are, the deep dives in God, I'm just so happy to be here and be able to have this conversation that we're going to have, that we are having now, about how the hell do we end up being programmed the way we are? Because, you know, certainly, yeah, yeah, the yoga journey, Pam, you're right, was, was huge. You know, how do we get wired the way we are to act the way that we do? Because I know in the relationships that, that, you know, that really had meaning to me and that I really had invested everything that I had um, and I wanted a different outcome. You know, I look at my behavior and my reaction to things and I wished that I could have been different in that moment in time. Why was it post-experience? I can see clearly how I how I could have reacted, right? Hey, Kathleen, what's up? You know, I look at it post relationship and say, wow, yeah, I could have looked at that differently. But in the moment, I had no capacity to do that. And that goes to the conscious and the subconscious mind. 
and wow, we think we're in control. Wow, wow, wow. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's talk about the beginning of the programming, right? Let's talk about genetic makeup. Let's talk about the genes. We get our DNA from our parents and it combines and makes us these beautiful individuals. And, you know, we like to think that we're so much different than everybody else, you know, between human beings, it's a 0.1% difference in genes. Like the DNA that makes up all of us, what makes us unique and individual is 0.1%. Not that much, right? Not that much of a difference. So a lot of times when we talk about programming, we talk about ways of being, a lot of it is the same for us. Like we have these experiences and the human vessel that we are reacts in a certain way because that's how that's how the program works. So we get our genes and, you know, it's that moment of conception and the cellular replication begins and, you know, our DNA does its thing and our, and our cells differentiate and we become these human beings in the womb. And as I said, you know, earlier, my mother and her, you know, anxiety of having lost a child before me and, you know, how, how in utero, you know, I got programming from that flood of hormones it's a real thing, right? And so my genetic makeup, you know, if we think about it, what we've determined now is that even in our genes as they're handed down to us, and it's only that 0.1% that's different, those genes that get handed down to us carry information from our ancestors. Like the programming begins way back then. Like if they had a hard time in famine, that's going to be handed down. If they had a hard, you know, if, if other things happen, it gets handed down in our very DNA and it gets replicated. So there's already pre-programming that we're not even, you know, able to do anything about. It's just there. So it begins there. Then we talk about, well, how do those genes get expressed, right? It's the phenotype. So you got genotype, the genes in the DNA, and then how do they get expressed? Because not all of them get expressed, right? We have all these genes, some get turned on, expressed, and some don't. Well, there's a third factor called epigenetics, and that is the experiences that we have in utero, birth, afterwards, that turn on and off genes. Like genetic changes occur based on our experiences. Smoking, for example, smokers actually change their genetic expression by smoking. And so when they quit, those changes are reversed. It's wild to think that all of these things happen and we really don't have much to do with it, right? So my programming, yeah, <laughs> my programming, the reason I'm doing this is because we're so closely aligned and only have that little 0.1% difference, I know my experience is, is going to provide some value to you because you may be able to see some of this in play in your life and you may be able to affect change because I'll tell you right now, all of that, all of the therapy that I've had over the years, all of the different treatment modalities, the meditation, the yoga, the plant medicines, all of those things have literally made significant changes 
and how I react in relationships, believe it or not. And, you know, I can, I can share examples of how it's different than it was, but it's not what it's going to be because I continue to work on it. Here's something that, you know, is like a fantasy for people who are, um, who have depression, who have these diagnoses, especially, you know, for me, and I know for, for a lot of people, there's this thought that if we can just get on the right medication, or if we can just do the right thing, that life is going to be perfect, that we're going to have this great life and things will be just magnificent. The reality is it's always the journey. It's always the journey. There's always that next layer of the onion to peel away. There's always that, that new insight in figuring out how we are in the world. Like, how are we in the world? And I'm so excited to be on this journey and to be able to continue to unravel all of these things. So going back to the programming, right? Started way back then with my, with my genes and with the um, experiences that I had. And, you know, for the first seven years of your life, you're in what's called theta brainwave state, right? So we have, we have um, beta and alpha, and we have theta, which is sort of a hypnotic state. So if somebody has hypnosis therapy, they're in a theta state. And when you're in a theta state, you're accessing your subconscious. So everything that's ever happened to you is stored in your subconscious. Every single input and experience you had is there. Now, if you're in a theta state for that first seven years, and it's really handy because think about it, you know, your tribe, your people are kind of instructing you on how to stay alive. So for that first seven year period, they're teaching you things that are really important for you to do and not do, you know, don't put your hand on the hot stove, don't walk off the cliff, you know, all of these safety measures. It's kind of important to just take them in without analyzing. And that's really what happens. We have this theta state. We take that stuff in and we don't even know, um, you know, we don't even make a judgment on it. It's just truth for us. And so some of the problem with that is if we have experiences um, that we perceive to be scary, they just get lodged in our brain as if they are actually real. You know, one of the ones that I had very, very, very early on in my life was that my father did not love me. Now, my dad may be listening right now. My father and I have the best relationship and I know he loves me to death. Ah, and I love him. But early on and for a very long time after that, I believe that my father didn't love me. Now, I didn't know that that was in play because it was lodged in my subconscious. So most of what drives our behavior, by the way, we don't even know about like it's in our subconscious mind and, and it just is an automated process. Think about like how many times have you been driving down the highway and you pass an exit that you were supposed to get off on and you were just deep in thought doing something else with your conscious mind and you just pass that exit. Who was driving the car? Really, who was driving the car? Your subconscious mind, your automated processes were taken over because you didn't need, your conscious mind didn't need to be involved. 
your subconscious mind can take in information so much faster than your conscious mind can and analyze it. So anyway, we're in theta state till the age of about seven. Everything that happens to us just becomes gospel and it gets dropped into our subconscious and we have no idea that it's even in play until you do enough peeling of the onion, right? Peeling of the onion and you get to see really what was at play. You know, body memory process is this idea of this hypothesis that all of uh, your memories are stored in your cells, not just your brain cells, but your entire body. It's why you have pain related to, you know, memories and, and things that have happened. It's this whole fascinating uh, part of science. And so uh, body memory process, you know, the, the process is something that can be used to identify, you know, I'm 61, Pam, and I'm still running the same patterns. It's just because I'm human. Like I'm a human being. That's what we do, right? We all do. And so, um, you know, the body memory process is, is something that we can use to, and I'll share more on it, um, more on it on another segment where we'll do a whole episode on it. You can, we can use that to actually identify vows that we made programs that were in play, you know, in that early, in that very early age. And we can use this process to rid them from the body. And yes, Pam, absolutely. Breath work has been huge, huge in, in actually releasing some of those programs that have been very much in my cellular structure and in yours too. So we're going to go over all of that stuff. We're going to do deep dives and we're going to share stories about some of the shit show things that I've done in relationship as an example so that you can see, you know, once I talk about the programming that was in play very early, and then I talk about the examples of how that manifested in my life, you're going to get the connection. You're going to see it just as clearly as I do that, you know, these, these experiences and this, these, it, the input into my subconscious that created these programs that run. I mean, it's amazing. Here I am 61 still to this day, if I'm hanging out with my father and he criticizes me just joking around, I become a five-year-old kid. I become that five-year-old kid and I'm unlovable and that's it. Janessa, what's up? Hey, glad you could be on. And so really 61 years old, you think that by now, I mean, I know my father loves me, right? But if he makes fun of me, that, that little program that is lodged in my subconscious gets kicked on and I'm five years old and I am not happy. And it, oh, that plays out so many times in so many relationships. And, you know, it's kind of sad because there are some relationships that I know could have continued, could have flourished, could have been something completely different than what they were. But that's just how, how it rolls out, isn't it? Absolutely. And I honor all of those. And it was a great experience and I learned a lot and I continue to dive in. So that's what we are going to do here. We're going to dive in. Anybody else ever have a shit show of a relationship? I mean, is it only me? Am I the only one? No, somebody else must have. Come on. Really? No? 
You all had perfect relationships. You're all madly in love. Your partners understand. Totally love you 100% just exactly as you are. Fuck. I am the only one. I am the shit show. Oh, my God. And here I thought I had some commonality. Maybe it's my 0.1% makes me completely fucking unique. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I know, Jill. Thank you, Pam. Absolutely. Oh, Eric, you know what? I would agree, dude. You are a shit show. And that's why you and I are like such great friends because kindred spirits, man. Kindred spirits. But you know what? I also know about you, Eric. You have one of the biggest hearts ever. I mean, you're you're one of the greatest dads. You're married to a most amazing woman. And, you know, and we have that in common. Like, I can tell you flat out in every one of the relationships that I've ever been in, I gave my heart. Like, I absolutely 100% always do with the best intentions. And then those damn programs get in the way. And I act a certain way that is not exactly loving. Ah, you know what? Bottom line once you understand that it is all of this subconscious programming that we get, you know, that we get thrust upon us and that it's, you know, those, the genes and, and the expressions of those and all of those things that go into making up who we are, when you really understand that, two things happen. Number one, you really are able to forgive other people. You're really able to see how their trauma, how their experiences created their programming. And, and then it's not about what they do to you. It's it's their, just their behavior. It's just the way they're wired. And you can forgive for that, right? And the second thing is you can forgive yourself. You can let yourself off the hook. And isn't that a beautiful space to be in? If you look at any of the transformative self-help programs that are out there, and my God, I would I am one of those people that is like a junkie for that. Like Tony Robbins, when he first came out, I jumped on his bandwagon. Neurolinguistic programming. I mean, when I sold my house in 2018, I threw out that original cassette tape and, and book programs of his. Like I've done all of them. And you know what? Most of them have a component of forgiveness in there, right? I mean, AA, AA has been around since the thirties, saving lives every day of people who have that affliction of alcoholism. And one of the biggest, biggest things in that program, a must do is forgive, forgive yourself, forgive others. Absolutely. 100%. So once, you know, we're, we're going to continue to have this conversation. We're going to talk about programming, 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 and, and my God, it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. How you feeling so far? Yeah. You, you know, Janessa, you got to forgive yourself too. And isn't that the hardest thing to do? You know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it, I am my own worst critic. And I think it's true for all of us. Like, I don't cut myself any slack at all. I'm the hardest on myself. Other people, shit, I can understand. I can understand and forgive 
my god so easy as a matter of fact i stayed in a few toxic relationships where the behavior was really fucked up and it was not good i stayed in those relationships because well because i'm captain Savaho, and i would and i and that's one of the things i'm programmed for by the way is if if a girl if i feel like a girl i can save her oh fuck. oh my god i'm going 100 all in <laughs> it's just gonna happen but i stayed in those relationships because I understood that their behavior was not who they really were. And I mistakenly felt like, well, if I can just love them enough, you know, I can fix them. It's not my job to fix anybody. It's my job to just love and to honor. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. It's okay if it doesn't work. Love you and we can both move on. Mm, tough to say because of that programming yeah so we talked about the theta state and you know another you know, here's a good example of theta state from zero to seven your um yeah damsel in distress yeah the fixers of the universe you know <laughs> so i saw this thing on instagram today it said you know i was talking to my therapist and my therapist pointed out and said to me you know you're the kind of person who likes to find people who are who are damaged and try to fix them and i said well yeah you too <laughs> yeah, absolutely, you too. And oh, and my friend Ronan, I wanted to start with this today. You know what? You can forgive yourself, Jill. You're a beautiful human being. You totally can. And you know what? It's that there's a whole process we can we can work through to do that. You know, my friend Ronan <laughs> from South Africa sent me this this meme, which reminded me, uh, and I loved it when I saw it a long time ago. And, it, and it's another one about a therapist in, you know, the therapist says, and I know, I think my therapist said this, and therapist says, and what do we say to new people who want to get to know us? My response is, welcome to the shit show. <laughs> the therapist said, no, that's not it. <laughs> oh my gosh. We've got so much to talk about so much to dive into and together we're gonna we're gonna work through this like we're gonna you and i are gonna have this conversation and i'm gonna share everything that i know about how i got wired and how you know what therapy really helped what things really unlocked sort of the the insight because it's always about the shit that we can't see it's the blind spots right and they really are blind spots and the the bottom line is until somehow it becomes illuminated it's going to remain a blind spot and so i've done so many different things so many different programs that i'm going to share with you over time it's it's beautiful it's beautiful um there are so many tools that we can use to unwind this programming at the end of the day what do we want to be? We want to be happy. We want to be loved. We want to love without any constraint. Until we get that programming out of the way, we're always going to have that same pattern. We're always going to find that same kind of person. I'm always going to act the same way. I'm going to become, you know, as soon as I feel like somebody's pulling away, I'm going to become a needy motherfucker. It's awful for everybody. Oh my God. It's so awful. Yeah. Janessa, I love that. Really understanding how you're programmed 
gives birth to forgiveness. And it does, does. Listen, forgive yourself right now for anything that's happened. You had no control over it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, you think you had control over it and everybody tells you you should have controlled yourself. It's all pre-programmed. It's all in a beautiful, neat little package that's outside of your awareness. We're going to dive into that next time. And yeah, stick with it. Stick with it. We are gonna, we're going to be here every week, except in July might be a little tough. I'm still going to try to do it, but I'm going to be in the jungles of Peru. Definitely won't be able to do it from there. And then I'm going to be over in the mountains. So I don't know if we'll be able to do it there, but we're going to continue on Wednesday nights. It's eight o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Jill, right? Guys that need to be fixed and want someone to treat her like a queen and not fix her boyfriends. You know what? I'm going to give you a little insight right now. This is me in the first 60 days of a relationship that I'm really invested in. And when I say really invested in, that I believe that that person that I'm with is the person I'm meant to be with. And it's happened four times. And um, each time I go all in, I do everything that I can do. I love bomb. Oh my God. 60 days of just laying it on, doing anything and everything that I can do. And I'm pretty intuitive to figure out what my partner needs and what they like. And I just do everything that I can. And then at about the 60 day mark, and this is a new insight, by the way, this is, this is something that my therapist, Paula Sachs, who's an amazing therapist, uh, she and I kind of discussed this uh, last week. At about the 60-day mark, um, I used to say that they'd pull away. Well, it was actually a reaction to me testing the waters because for 60 days, that that behavior of love bombing and in, in doing for them 100% was me saying to them, this is how I want to be loved. And so at the end of 60 days, I'm like, okay, my turn. And they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't sign on for that. And it's like, oh my God, I am the greatest love bomber, Pam. Such a great love bomber. Oh my God, I'm so good at it. I mean, I can, I'd can. i love to have some of the girls on and have them say, how did you feel in the first 60 days? Like, my God, I mean, it just totally loved. And by the way, I do, I love them all. I do, I do, I do. And so in that first 60 days, I love bomb and then expect that they will intuitively know that that's how I want to be treated. And when that doesn't happen, then all the shit just, just goes sideways. I told one girl I was dating Maggie. Oh, Maggie, love you. I told her, you know what? I'm like bad milk. I'm like 90 days, you're going to put me out on the porch. Like I recognized that this pattern was in play in my relationships. Like it'd be 90 days and, and it'd be done. It's wild. And that's all programming. That's all programming. Again, at the end of the day, we just want to love and be loved and be happy. How do we do that? We get rid of this programming that's running us that we don't even know about. Oh, I got so much to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much to share. So what we're going to do, we're going to come back next week. Now, each week, I'm going to let you know ahead of time, sort of what the topic of conversation is going to be. 
And, you know, since we're going to start in the beginning, I think next week we're going to talk about, uh, oh, next week, ooh, I'm going to be at MAPS at the Psychedelic Conference, the largest psychedelic conference, psychedelic medicine conference in the world, 10,000 people in Denver. What do you think the chances are on Wednesday night? I'm actually going to do a live stream. <laughs> chances are probably slim, but I'll keep you posted. Anyway, the next time that we are together on Wednesday at 8 p.m., and I will let you know, we're going to talk about birth. We're going to talk about the concept of rebirthing. There's this whole breathwork modality called rebirthing. And it was uh, it was established in the 70s. And it's really about what was the first trauma that you experienced in your life? Think about it. It was when you were born. That's that whole process, traumatic. And then you come out and what are they doing? You know, when, when I was born, you know, I think they strapped my mother's arms down to the table. Like it was very much a, it was a harsh atmosphere, you know, bright lights, they spank you and you take your breath and, you know, it, it, it was the first programming. And so there's, there is a breathwork process that we can use to go back and experience that birth and set it right. Like make it into a beautiful experience and that trauma is removed from our lives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Janessa, I got a lot to talk about this rebirthing thing. I've been training in it for a while now and uh, actually experiencing part of the training is I have to have 10 sessions with a rebirther. And, uh, oh my God, I'll tell you, I was, I was in Costa Rica in December, uh, breathwork facilitators training class. And we were right at the base of Mount Arenal, the volcano. And we were in the volcanic stream, right? There are rivers and streams that come out and they're heated from, from the volcanic activity. And we're in it and we're doing rebirthing breath work. And I'm holding a guy and he's a magnificent human being from the Netherlands. Love him to death. I'm holding him in the stream as he's doing his breath work for an hour so he doesn't float away. And, you know, his story was he was born with a cord around his neck and, and almost died. He, it was close. He came out blue and, and almost didn't make it. He knew that about his birth. So when he, he started to do his rebirthing breath work in this warm stream, like he's in the womb and he's safe and I'm holding him, I'm telling you, you just got to chill. When he started breathing and he's in the water and his eyes are closed, a purple line formed around his neck, perfectly where the cord was. His cells had held that all that time. So rebirthing is huge. He was able to let go of that because those experiences, his experiences uh, in life were that he was constrained, that he was constricted. It was part of holding in onto that. So we're going to cover all those topics and more. I know it was amazing. It blew me away. And so using breath work, we're able to shed that kind of stuff, but we need to do the, we need to do the digging first. We need to kind of understand what were the circumstances for mom when she was carrying us? What was the birth like? Where were you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
Jill, that's right. Your daughter had, so a lot of kids, you know, will have issues right at birth. You know, kids who are born preemie, they go right into an incubator and they're, and they're in the NICU away from their parents. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because it's that imprinting of that, that parent in those first few days that's huge for attachment to other human beings. So much to talk about. So much to talk about. I am so glad that you all joined me tonight and, you know, get ready because we are going to have some in-depth conversations going forward. So many topics to cover, so many tools to share with you that have brought me to a place where, um, where I'm excited about the next relationship. Like I, I'm excited with the new insight to think that maybe I don't have to react the same way that I have reacted in the past in relationship. Maybe I can, I can move past that and actually have a relationship. But the first one I had to have and still have to cultivate is my relationship with me. Yeah. Number one, if I don't love me, who else is going to love me? It's not fair that, you know, in this first 60 days, I love bomb somebody and then expect them to love me. No, I love me and I can love you. Yeah. Yeah. I love you all. I'm so glad you were here. Spread the word. We're going to do a lot of different things. Remember the next one, we're going to talk about birth. We're going to talk about rebirthing. You know what? Do this. Spread the word, get some friends to show up and have them ask about their birth. Have them ask their mother or if mom's not alive or available. Ask somebody else in the family if they remember about the birth. If the, you know, if they're not the oldest, obviously, what are they going to do? Can't ask their siblings. It's like, yeah, do you, what do you remember about my birth? Well, I don't because I wasn't there. But dude, you know what? For the next one, ask the question. Because we can have we can have a pretty deep conversation about how the trauma of birth has really affected us in in our lives. We're so complex. We're so magnificent. We are we are just magnificent vessels. By the way, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. I know I didn't want to I didn't want to you know spoil it for you, but that's the truth. <laughs> oh, meow wolf. I, Eric, I have heard good things about that. I am, that's on my list. Oh my God. And I, can you imagine 10,000 people at a psychedelic medicine conference? What are the chances we're going to have fun? It's going to be magnificent. And that is one thing that I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. This will be the last thing that I say. Psychedelic medicine changed the game for me in the last two years. 2023 20, years with my with my introduction to psychic reintroduction to psychedelic medicine. I have a history. The reintroduction of psychedelic medicine into my life changed the game. It's why I don't have depression anymore. It's why I have these new insights into into how I uh, act in relationship, and that's relationship with everybody in my life, my friends, my family, everybody. Right. So. Psychedelic medicine has changed the game, and we're going to talk about that in depth, and, and I'll give you my experiences and exactly what happened 
that has allowed me to come to this place now where we kicked off this show. We're going to do this on a regular and we're going to we're going to unravel all that programming that we got so that we can live happy, loving and free, free, free to just choose to live life. Right. All right. I love you guys. I'll see you. Well, I'll let you know when I'm going to see you. I'm hoping next Wednesday. Hmm. Stay tuned. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, really, spread the word. Because we're going we're gonna to make this thing go crazy. All right? Love you. See you soon.